What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Florida State League Radio Network. We are happy to have you guys along for this episode today. It is a beautiful Sunday here today, uh, and we are happy to have on the podcast and welcoming back for the second time on the podcast, but this is the third time that actually I've been with Matt before. Obviously, I was with him when I did a game broadcast with him. And I said Matt, so you guys should know who this is. It is Matt Neverett. Uh, claps, claps. <laughs> Anyways, Matt, obviously you can tell everybody what you do again if you uh, just to refresh them up on what you do uh, for minor league baseball and for the Florida State League. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm the, uh, the play-by-play broadcaster for the Braves and Marauders. All right. Thank you, Matt, again for joining me again. I'm uh, – very, very happy to have you back on. It's always a, a pleasure to get you back on. And by the way, you're welcome back on any time uh, you would like to join me and stuff. It's always a pleasure uh, joining you, as always. Uh, so lots of stuff to talk about. Obviously, let's get into the first thing. And Matt, you probably are not too happy that this happened. I know Bradenton wasn't in a playoff situation, but it's still very disappointing. Obviously, Hurricane Dorian canceling all the playoff games. Matt, what did you think about that? And you know, it, it. What did you just really give a take? How do you? Th- what did you think about when you found out about the cancelings? And what do you think would have happened if we would have had playoffs and even this last final weekend of the season? Because there was some, there was a playoff race in the north that could have been, uh, that could have been make or break over this that weekend. So, what did you think about it? I mean, I wasn't necessarily too upset. It got us out of our last uh, weekend series a couple weeks ago. We were supposed to go out to St. Lucie where uh, the epicenter of the supposed hurricane was supposed to hit. Of course, it ended up not being as bad as uh, initially forecasted, but hindsight is always twenty twenty with stuff like that. Uh, I think first and foremost that the, the safety of the players uh, who were going to be heading home after that weekend was at the, the forefront of the mind of Ken Carson, the president, and uh those who were the, the, the decision makers and the, the powers that be in this situation. Uh, I know there are some in the league who were very upset about it, uh, mainly those who were in playoff positions and had a chance to go for a league title. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of players and office staff, it was kind of a welcome uh, <laughs> early, early cancellation. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where it ended up not even really hitting at all. Uh, and we definitely could have played some playoff games and, and at least gone to the championship series. We had this situation two years ago when a, a similar hurricane mm-hmm. uh, canceled the championship series. They ended up giving the co-championship to Palm Beach and Dunedin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, like I said, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I think that the safety of the players uh, who were you know departing, heading home in all their various directions was at the, the forefront of the mind. So in that um, that you know situation, I don't think it was necessarily the, the worst idea. But there were there were those who were who were upset uh, as far as the actual playoff themselves would have gone. I think the people who were most upset and decidedly, or I guess rightfully so, were those who were with the Charlotte Stone Crabs because they had an absolutely phenomenal second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, forty-seven wins, almost fifty wins and a half is almost unfathomable. They were unbelievable. They were world beaters, and it would have been them and Ford Myers. Honestly, they would have steamrolled the miracle. And Dunedin ended up winning both halves, which I think I predicted the last time I came on the podcast. Yeah. So that gave the that gave the wild card berth to Clearwater. So mm-hmm. those would have been the, the four teams. So I I think that we would have had a good series between Dunedin and Charlotte in the championship. I I would have predicted Charlotte would have won. They had the, too much talent. They were hot at the right time, especially down the back stretch of the year. 
But, uh, but, but like I said, the safety of the players and the, those who were leaving after that weekend, uh, last weekend of the regular season, uh, you know, was the, the first thing that was thought of. And I think that in that sense, they made the right call, you know, and that I'm not being as bad as they <laughs> initially forecasted. But I, I, I think in that sense alone, they made the right decision. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, too. I mean, you, you really – and that hurricane, obviously, Hurricane Dorian was such an unpredictable hurricane. They really had no – I mean, every news weather station you would watch, I would say, we really have no idea what we're predicting. So, you know, fend for yourself, really, at this point. So, um, I mean, in, in all honesty, though, yeah, it was – I think they made the best decision possible, and obviously we could have played playoff baseball because really none of the playoff games were over on the West Coast, as none of the West Coast, the teams that were playing on the West Coast made it to the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously a lot of teams were disappointed. Obviously Dunedin probably was one of them. Obviously Fort Myers and Charlotte, obviously, again, as you said, Fort Myers, or Charlotte, excuse me, really put on an impressive second half. I mean, they turned things around. I don't think any, I mean, I, I thought they would have, I knew they would have, I knew when they got Wander Franco, those, that, that was going to be it. And I thought they were going to win the second half. Um, and Dunedin just looked unstoppable. I mean, the, honestly, the North was it was all about Dunedin the entire season. There really wasn't any other team that was really battling out with them. It was Dunedin, and that was pretty much it. So everyone else was kind of, I mean, you look at the overall standings, and Clearwater's the second-best team in that division, and they were at 500. So it's like overall, I mean, overall Dunedin was the best team in the North. So, I mean, Dunedin, if you know, if they were going to do a co-championship, I guess Dunedin and Charlotte would have done it, but obviously they can't because you can't just give it to you can't just give it to them and then say, well, Fort Myers isn't doesn't deserve the title because they didn't win, you know. So it wouldn't be fair to all of them. So I think though, for the safety of the players, I think it was a good idea. Um, and God bless Ken Carson. Obviously, he is retiring, and uh, uh, safe retirement to Mr. Ken Carson, which. Uh, I was actually there when he threw out the first pitch to the Clearwater game. It was the last game against the Lakeland Flying Tigers, so it was pretty cool getting to see him throw out the first pitch. And it was probably, which, which obviously it's the final time he'll be the president. Uh, well, he might be. He'll probably be at the Hall of Fame, right? Probably. He'll, yeah, in, in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. He'll still be at the Hall of Fame. So uh, that's what I thought he was gonna do, but. Uh, all right, so I guess the next thing is we're going to look at the awards that were given. Um, and, Matt, you obviously, you've seen all the players, so you probably have seen both of these players. And, actually, both of these players come out of the division that the Burlington Marauders are in. Um, so the winner of the um, Player of the Year was Trevor Larnack. So, Matt, obviously you got to see Fort Myers this year, obviously, with Bradenton. And then the winner of the Pitcher of the Year was Tommy Ramiro from Charlotte, and obviously you got to see him a lot as well because you guys um, play in the same division as them. What did you What did you think about them winning the award? Did you agree with it? Do you think there was somebody else that was a bit better? Or, you know, was it, you know, do you agree with it or do you not? As far as the, uh, the position player of the year, Trevor Larnick, absolutely. I mean, he was mm-hmm. uh, He was the best hitter that I saw in the league all year, and the, the, the broadcasters get a vote, and he was who I voted for for it. Uh, position player of the year when the when he was called up maybe uh, two thirds of the way through the season he was leading the league in batting average slugging percentage uh, not home runs but RBIs OPS he was just uh, a top of the board in all the categories so mm-hmm. I've got no qualms with Trevor Larnick uh, Tommy Romero's one where you know that, that could go either way he was he was pretty good but I don't think that um, I I voted for Joe Ryan who was mm-hmm. on that, that same team and ended up not even not even being named to the, the year end <laughs> list because he wasn't there 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess long enough, you know, because the, the, the voting didn't necessarily in, include him. Mm-hmm. But uh, Larnick and Romero, you know, very deserving, especially Larnick. Um, I think that a lot of the way that I voted had to do with the, uh, the way that guys played against the Marauders specifically, just, you know, firsthand knowledge and mm-hmm. being able to see how they are in person. So that was that was who I voted for was Larnick and Joe Ryan. But, you know, Romero, no, no real qualms with that. Anyone on that Charlotte team really deserved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think Lornak definitely deserved it. I mean, there's really there was really no other person that I, I would have picked other than Lornak. I mean, most of his categories were leading. Um, he led an average. He, he was really an, a pretty good player. I mean, overall, now their season is over with. They did make the playoffs, though, with Royce Lewis, which I was pretty happy for them um, that they made the playoffs and such. Um, and, yeah, Tommy Ramirez, that could have gone either way. Listen, pitching, I think, this year, there was a lot of really quality pitchers, especially in the ERA category. I was looking at I'm like, dang, this is really hard to pick for a pitcher of the year um I'm, I'm you know any pitcher that was like under a two era really could have won as a lot of those guys were really good that i looked on the list i didn't actually write them out i probably should have before i uh, jumped on the podcast but no i think i think larnack definitely deserving i think he was yeah i think he was a clear-cut player of the year tommy ramiro it could have gone either, again as you said it could have gone either way i think there was a few pitchers that could have won it but uh the, again both deserving at the end of the day ramiro had a great season as well for charlotte so there really isn't you know don't take that away from him he still had an incredible season with the charlotte stone Crabs. we're going to take a look at the uh, all-star the postseason all-star list um, Matt, I don't know if you have a chance to look at them, and I'm going to go through them. So at catcher, uh, the winners for the end of the all, end of the season All-Stars were Ronaldo Hernandez from Charlotte and Brady Pulisselli from Lakeland. At first base, it was Lazaro Alonso from Jupiter. Second base was Carlos Cortez from St. Louis, or St. Lucie, excuse me. <laughs> uh, third base was Dylan Busby from Bradenton, shortstop Wander Franco, obviously. Um... Utility infield was Riley Delgado. Outfield was Trevor Larnack and Simon Muziotti and Ryan Noda. And also Cal Stevenson as well was in that group as well. Uh, designated hitter was Dermis Garcia for pitchers. Maxim- Maximo Cas- Castillo, Trevor Rogers, Tommy Ramiro, Miguel Yahar. And then for relief was Kalen Kilgore and Brad Wilson. And then manager um, on the All-Star, end of season All-Star team was Cesar Martin. Coach was Toby Gardenhire and Jeff Smith also made it as well. Is there anybody that you would have changed out at all or – um, did you think that was a pretty good group of guys that were picked? I think it's a pretty comprehensive list. I have a list up in front of me. I'm just trying to kind of rack my brain. The voting was over a month ago. I'm trying to remember who, <laughs> who all I voted for. There are a lot of similarities. I know Hernandez was one that I voted for. Mm-hmm. Paul Selly is a guy who is listed as a catcher and does play catcher every now and then, but he also plays third base, left mm-hmm. field, right field. He played a game at center field against us. He is the... The, the human Swiss Army knife as far as <laughs> positions defensively, so you can really run. So mm-hmm. uh, those, those were two guys I voted for. I voted for Lazaro Alonso as well at first base. Uh, Cortez at second base as well. Uh, you're not allowed to vote for your own guys. So <laughs> vote for Dylan Busby, but I think I think he does deserve it, mm-hmm. mainly just because he you know set the, he led the league in home runs, set mm-hmm. a new Braves in the single season high in home runs, also set the new single season high in strikeouts. We mm-hmm. don't talk about that. Um, <laughs> Juan Franco was going to win that regardless. The only one that could could have gone other otherwise would have been, uh, you know what, I, I take that back. I'm going to say Riley Delgado. He was literally a plug-and-play shortstop. I think he missed a total of six games all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think out of the 130-whatever games, he played 128, 130. So mm-hmm. he was the, the, the Iron Man as far as the FSL is concerned. Larnick, obviously, 
Buziotti was really good. Noda has led minor league baseball in walks for two straight years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stevenson was near the top of the league in a lot of categories before his call up. And Dermis, uh, for a while, him and Bill and Busby were going back and forth for the uh, the league home run league. It was a nice Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire style home run battle. Although the numbers were on a bit different of a scale, it was kind of fun to watch. And he got hurt at the end of the year, and I don't think he played over the last month or two, but he went. You know, obviously had enough of an impression early on to, mm-hmm. to be named for that postseason all-star team. Yeah, and I agree with you completely. I think Dermis definitely deserves it. I think Cal deserves I mean, overall, I think this list actually was well well built. Um, I really don't have anything really bad to say about it. Um, you know, I think there are some guys on here that I, you know, definitely deserve it. And even guys, you know, who you don't see as much or who the teams did bad for, like Trevor Rogers and a Lazaro Alonzo and even Riley Delgado, who he plays for Florida, who didn't have a great year at all. Um, yeah. And especially for Trevor. about the only one that deserved to be anywhere close to this list on Florida. <laughs> and yeah, and even for Trevor Rogers, he had a great season too for a Jupiter team that really kind of, they looked okay in the first half-ish, and then they just kind of died out in the second, and that's kind of how Jupiter has been. Um, and that actually gets us into, I guess you would say, our surprise teams, uh, good or bad. It could be, you could base this off the full season, or you could base this off the second half. I did mine off the second half more, um, but it uh, depends on how you want to do it. But uh, who are your surprise teams this year or for the second half, and who did you think was good, or and who do you think was a bad surprise team this year? I mean, obviously, the defending champ for Mario Miracle, you knew they were going to do well. Charlotte, with all the prospects that the Rays have at this point in their system, you knew they were going to do well. I think Dunedin kind of taking both halves was almost a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I also think the fact that, the, that, that Daytona did not do better uh, was a surprise to me because Daytona was uh, fourth in the league in batting average with a, a Team 252 clip. But they were uh, dead last in pitching by ERA. So there was a, a tale of two sides batting versus pitching for Daytona. And, you know, they had Jonathan India. They had a, a lot of their studs. Amy Suhelio turned into a very good player. Jose Garcia, the, the Cuban prospect shortstop. They had a lot of good hitters. The pitching just wasn't there. So I think a, Daytona was a team that at times was really, really scary. But the pitching just could not bail them out when they needed to. Yeah, and I think you're on Daytona with their pitching. I think another thing is, too, will be interesting is if Hunter Green, if he doesn't get – I doubt he'll be promoted yeah. to double-A without his – because he just got injured last year, so he never really actually played a game yeah. in Daytona. That's going to be interesting to see if that will help out their pitching next year because Hunter Green is a freak of nature on the mound. He is something else. So I'm excited to see what he can do next year. I'm hoping I can get him on the podcast. That would be pretty fun to interview him. I would love to have him I've on heard, and stuff. I've heard that he's a really cool guy, really fun, really approachable because he's still so young. Mm-hmm. My only problem is that I think that coming off of this major arm surgery, I think that they may try and turn him into a, a high leverage late reliever. Yeah. I don't know necessarily. And this is this is just based on my opinion mm-hmm. without any research or anything. Yeah, uh, I think that what they probably will do is have him start to come out of the bullpen, cut down mm-hmm. the innings. And he's a guy who could, if, you know, if he starts in Daytona and just shoves and starts out the year really throwing flames and tossing a whole bunch of zero that he's a guy who could fly through that system pretty quickly oh definitely yeah and i mean he could be i mean uh, i mean there's a lot of guys this year that really flew through their systems i mean another i i think of one guy it was alec bohm i mean he was there for what two months uh-huh. and he got brought up in the immediately i was in shock actually about it and he would made the all-star team too which i thought was crazy as well i mean not i mean it wasn't yeah, crazy they but there, they left him in there just long enough to 
qualified for the the uh, batting mm-hmm. average title and then called him up. Yep, that bigger. which I thought was crazy to me <laughs> that he got brought up that quick. It was insane. Um, anyways, let's get into now, let's get into something other than Florida State League news, because obviously we kind of touched base on pretty much everything that's Florida State League that is, uh, so far going on. Um, let's listen, look at, look at the Arizona Fall League. Now, Matt, I don't know if you know a lot about it. I'm guessing you do, probably. I'm a broadcaster and a lot of Florida State League guys and such, and, um, I actually wrote down each of the roster, uh, each of the team's rosters and players that are currently representing the Florida State League out of each of the rosters. Now, there are two teams that are not representing any Florida State League players. That is Peoria and Mesa. And um, Peoria has Pittsburgh's uh, players, so no Pittsburgh players. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> and Mesa has Detroit's players. So it's going to be a lot of other Florida State League teams, but or Florida State League players, but those will be guys most likely you will know. So let's begin with Glendale. Which, and I'm going to say this right now, this will be which player do you believe will most likely be the best Florida State League representative by the end of the season for their team that they're representing? So for the Glendale Desert Dogs, for teams that are associated with the Florida State League, um, it's going to be Daytona and it's going to be Palm Beach. So there will be three players for Daytona. Diamar Lopez from Daytona. He's a pitcher for the Daytona Tortugas. Dari Moretta from Daytona, as well as on the Glendale Desert Dogs. And Jose Garcia, the infielder from Daytona, is on the De- bleh, Glendale Desert Dogs. Sorry about that. And catcher is Yvonne Herrera from the Palm Beach Cardinals. He'll be the only representative from the Florida State League that will be representative in the Cardinals uh, on the on the Glendale Desert Dogs that is from the Cardinals system. So which out of those four players do you think will be the best player who's obviously the Florida State League representative? I think Ivan Herrera has a good chance. He's still 19. He, he's in the same boat age-wise as uh, our friend Wander Franco. He was he was pretty impressive to me, not only, I would say, more so behind the plate than at, at bat. He, he's highly heralded for his stick. But when he would, uh, when they, when the, the Marauders played the the Palm Beach Cards seven out of their last ten games, so I got a really good chance to see the 19-year-old phenom mm-hmm. behind the plate. He was really impressive to me. I think Jose Garcia, who ended up leading the Florida State League in doubles and extra base hits, is a guy who uh, he, he's going to hit no matter where he goes. I mentioned him earlier. They, they uh, at a Cuba, I believe he's like 20 or 21, still super young. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dimar Lopez, who is Nicaraguan. Um, fly, flamethrower out of the bullpen. Uh, he, he's very good. Dari Moreta, I, I, I we don't really see a ton of him, but I would mm-hmm. say uh, out of him and Lopez, as far as the, those two pitching prospects out of the guys you mentioned, uh, definitely Lopez. He was unhittable, at least against the Marauders. And I'll say, I'll say Garcia. He's coming off of a very good year, his best season by far as a professional. Mm-hmm. That's not to knock anything that Ivan Herrera has done, but I think Garcia really has a chance to shine with a lot of his other top prospects. Yeah, and I, I actually, I picked Garcia as well, um, I think, to be the best player. And, I, and I, I'll say Diamar as well. I think Diamar we saw more of. And I really liked what he did this year for um, Daytona this year. He looked really uh, good for a team, obviously, you said earlier, that was really not that great in the pitching category. So, But, no, I think Diamar Lopez will be really good for Glendale. And I, I like Jose Garcia. I think, uh, we've, we've, I think, and, again, as you said with Ivan, I – I like Ivan. He's a really, really good catcher. He had a great season this year with Palm Beach. Um, but I think Jose will probably be the best out of there. Uh, obviously, Peoria, as I said, doesn't have any players. Let's get into Scottsdale. Now, there's only two pitchers 
who are representing a Florida State League team that are playing for the Scottsdale, I believe it's the Scottsdale Scorpions is their team name. Uh, so the pitchers are Desbel Hernandez from the Atlanta Brave system with the Florida Fire Frogs, and it's Thomas Zapucky from the St. Lucie Mets. Which player do you think will be the best player who's representing one of these Florida State League teams by the end of the season? So we didn't really see a ton of St. Lucie. So, I mean, I've obviously heard of Zapucky. Uh, he was supposed to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we were supposed to see him in that last series that <laughs> ended up getting canceled uh, going down the back stretch in August. So I, I, I'm going to say Daysbell Hernandez. He was good against he was good against Bradenton. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a number tw- number twenty prospect in the Braves organization. So mm-hmm. uh, out of those two in that brief list, I'll go with Hernandez. Yeah, and actually I'm going to go opposite here. I'm actually going to go with Sapucky. I actually really liked him this year. I thought he did a pretty good job for um, St. Lucie this year. He didn't get a ton of time in the he didn't get a lot of time in the Florida State League. He did get brought up kind of in the middle of the season, but I think he did really good this year for. Um, I think he did really good this year for St. Lucie, and I'm excited to see what he can do in the um, Arizona Fall League. And I think that's the nice thing about the Arizona Fall League. It kind of you kind of get to see these guys, and it's a big deal for some of these guys. This could really make or break them getting promoted, or um, it could even break them getting demoted. So it's it's kind of a nice it's it's a it's a different league. I really do enjoy watching the Arizona Fall League. I'm hoping that MLB Network shows a bit of the coverage on it. Um, so the next team is Mesa. They don't have any players, so we're just going to skip them real quick. This is the biggest team with the most guys who are representing a Florida State League team. So Salt River has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 8 players representing uh, the Florida State League. So let's begin at the top here. This is for, we'll begin with Fort Myers. As they have three pitchers coming in to the Salt River Rafters team as Dakota, Dakota Chalmers, uh, pitcher from will be representing the Fort Myers Miracle, Moises Gomez, and Zach Neff. And then for the Tampa organization with Charlotte Stonecrabs, Drew Strotman, and Alex Ver- Ver- Verlarde will be part of it, as well as Ronaldo Hernandez will be catcher. Um, and then for Jupiter, they have Jose Devers at infield and Gerard Encarnacion at outfield. So a lot of guys I just mentioned there. Which one do you think will be the best by the end of the uh, Arizona Fall League season, you could say pitcher and, and uh, a positional player, since we have a lot of pitchers and a lot of in, uh, positional players. Yeah, I really like Ronaldo Hernandez. He's from the Rays. I think he brings a lot to the table. He's similar almost to Ivan Herrera. Uh, still pretty young, more known for the bat, but good behind the plate. He actually has more more power than uh, than Mr. Herrera. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with him. And then I, I think that uh, a couple of those guys that you mentioned uh, with the, the Marlins have a good chance. I, li- I like Encarnacion. He's got as much pure power as anybody. Um, so I, I think that as far as, as those two guys, position player-wise, I think that they both, uh, they, they both bring a lot to the table. Uh, Dakota Chalmers is the guy that we didn't really see at all. Zach Neff we saw a bit of. So I, I, I will just say by default, I'll say the, the lefty Zach Neff who faced us. Uh, the very last time that Fort Myers came to Bradenton. Yeah, I'm actually, for me, I'm going to take Ronaldo Hernandez as well in the positional category. I think, as you said, you said it right on point where I was going to say, too. I think that his power is really good. He, I got to see him in the Futures game, which was awesome, and he looked he looked okay. I mean, he didn't, obviously, it's a Futures game, so it's not really, you really don't see a ton of him. Um, but I did see him a bit. I went to a game against, I, I forgot who they, maybe it was against Tampa, but he looked really good in that game. Um, I think he had a home run, and he had, like, a double on the night. Um, he had a re- 
really good game against Tampa. And, yeah, I think Ronaldo Hernandez, I really, really think highly of him. I think he's going to be a really good player. Tampa organization, and really catcher for Tampa, they really don't have a good catching their their organization isn't as known for catching as much. They have more of a they're better. They have a lot of good pitchers, and even their infielders are relatively good as well. They have a decent infield uh, core in their organization. Um, and then for pitcher, I'm gonna actually go with Drew Strotman. I got to see him a little bit this year as well, and he really uh, really impressed me this year for Tampa Bay uh, or for Charlotte, excuse me. So I'm gonna go with Drew Strotman as well. So, going with two Tampa guys with that pick. So, the final uh, Arizona Folly team is the Surprise Surprise Saguaros. And um, there are three Yankees players. Obviously, the only team being represented that is involved with the Florida State team is the Yankees. So, Daniel Bias is the pitcher from Tampa, Glenn Otto from Tampa, and Donnie Sands, the catcher from Tampa. Which one of those three guys will be the best player by the end of the season who are representing the Florida State League? So, the Marauders played the, the Tampa Tarpons, I think it was 24, 25 times. We, we played them more than we played anybody else. At a, at a certain point in the year, so we've had a, I've had a chance to see a lot of these guys, and I'm going to be honest, I was not that impressed with Donnie Sands. He got most of the starts throughout the year against Bradenton, so I I was not overly impressed by him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw Glenn Otto a ton, and we saw Daniel Bias. He got called up from Low A Charleston uh, and came out of the bullpen one day. I really liked uh, what what I saw from him. He throws it hard. Uh, I think he throws a lot of strikes. He's a big, big body. So I'm I'm going to go with, with Daniel Bias. Yeah, and I'm actually gonna go with Glenn Otto. Um, I, I, I do, th- I do like Bias as well. I think he's got a, he, he's a, he looked really good this year. Um, for Tampa, but I, I think Glenn Otto's got a little bit more to prove. I think he's got some something to prove. You know, obviously with the Florida State League this year, he he looked okay here and there, but he really wasn't uh, consistent. I would say, and I think he's got a little bit more to prove. So I think he's gonna prove it here in the Arizona Fall League. We'll see though. Then that's what I love making about predictions. You know, it's always you know interesting to see how the predictions will turn out. Um, and all that. So the next thing we're gonna look at is this is uh, we're gonna look at the MLB standings since there's a lot of you know. Obviously, there's the 12 teams in the Florida State League are represented by major league teams, and some of which have clinched their division, like the Atlanta Braves, obviously related to the Florida Fire Fire Frogs. So we're going to look at the divisional standings in the MLB, and Matt, I'll get you kind of a little take on it. We'll make this kind of quick here. We'll look at the divisional leaders and the wildcard leaders, um, and we'll kind of look at some teams that are in the hunt, I would say. Uh, so in the AL East, the Yankees leading the AL East with a 98 and 53 record. Uh, Tampa Bay is right behind them; they're eight and a half games back. Um, and then Boston, Toronto, Baltimore are all eliminated. Minnesota, they're in the lead in the AL Central; they are 91 and 58. Cleveland, they're four and a half games back; they're 87 and 63. And then Chicago, uh, Kansas City, and Detroit are all eliminated. Houston, they're 98 and 53, and Oakland, seven and a half games back; they're 90 and 60. And then Texas, L.A., and Seattle are all eliminated. We'll go into the National League real quick here. Uh, Atlanta just clinched their division, so they made it in um, to the playoffs. They are clinched um, up, I think, just for the playoffs. I'm not sure for the division just yet. Um, but they're 93-58, and 58, while Washington, they're 82-66. and 66. They're nine and a half games back, while the Mets, Philly, and Miami are all eliminated. 
St. Lucie, they're in or St. Louis, jeez. Um, <laughs> they're in the lead. They're eighty. I I screw it so much times, man. I tell you, uh, St. Louis, they're in the lead. They're eighty three and sixty six. Uh, Chicago Cubs, they're eighty one and sixty eight. They're two games back. And Milwaukee, they're eighty and sixty nine. They're three games back. So Chicago and Milwaukee currently in a battle for that NL Central. And then LA, they're ninety six and fifty four. And then Arizona, there's their Arizona, San Francisco, San Diego, Colorado. They're all eliminated. LA already won their division. And then quick look at the wild card, real quick. We'll take a quick, quick look here, real quick. So looking at the wild card leaders as this thing is loading up, real quick. Uh, so prepared today. I'm so prepared. Let's look at the wild card, real quick. <laughs> if it's ever gonna load. Uh, okay, here we go. So Oakland currently in the lead in the wild card. They're 90 and 60. Tampa Bay, they're 89 and 61. Uh, and then we got Cleveland, they're two games back. Boston, they're nine and a half games, but they're probably going to be eliminated here real quick. And then the wild card in the NL, Washington, Chicago, they're in the lead in the wild card division, while Milwaukee, New York, and Philly, and Arizona. And that's pretty much it. They're all going to be in the... And then, obviously, who would win the American League such? Like, who do you who do you have as, like, some teams that will make it in, most likely? Well, as the year got started, I think we could kind of tell already early on who the probable division winners were going to be, at least in the American League. Uh, Houston, New York, Minnesota, they all kind of got out to big leads and haven't really relinquished anything. So the American League is a lot more cut and dry mm-hmm. with just four teams fighting for those final two wild card spots. I, I, I honestly think that the way that it is right now is likely how it's going to finish in the American League with Oakland and Tampa mm-hmm. getting those two wild card spots. The only difference I can see would be Cleveland. Uh, sneaking back from the two games that they trail right now and mm-hmm. either tying or surpassing Tampa. I don't think that Oakland's not going to make the playoffs at this point. So mm-hmm. I think that, uh, like I said, it's a little bit more cut and dry. I think Oakland's in. It's going to be between Tampa and Cleveland for that last spot. And I'll go ahead and ball games. They got a good feel. Uh, still no fans, but they got a good feel. <laughs> um, so I think that that's, that's a little bit easier to say. And then mm-hmm. throughout the year, we've also seen that the National League is wide open yep. as far as the wild mm-hmm. card goes. Like, uh, the, the Dodgers are running away with the NL West, and they're my, yeah. they're my World Series pick and have been since the beginning of the year. Uh, Atlanta really coming on strong and doing a lot of the things I think they were forecasted to do last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think mm-hmm. that as long as their pitching holds up, they've given up 100-plus more runs than the Dodgers have throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, And while they score at the, about the same clip, it's going to come to the forefront of the playoffs, especially with... You know, most teams only using three or so three to maybe four starters. Usually, mm-hmm. everyone just kind of goes with three. So, I think that those two are, uh, the, I would say, the best two teams in the league that aren't the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and St. Louis kind of sneaking in at the end, and all of a sudden, uh, I, I would say that those three teams are going to be the three division winners. Mm-hmm. I think that with the Cubs, who just got finished with a, a, a historic shellac of the, of the Pirates, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, scoring 47 runs over three days. Unreal, but I think that they are probably going to find a way to sneak in. It's going to be really boring, but I think that it's the way that it is right now with Washington and Chicago in the wild card spots. I don't, I don't think that either of those are really going to change. I think that if anyone's going to find a way to weasel their way in there, it'd be Milwaukee. But I wouldn't be surprised if we had a wild card play-in game. Mm -hmm. I think that there may have to be a game one sixty-three to determine that last wild card Mm -hmm. spot, but. Uh, kind of boring answer, but I end up. Yeah, and I th- maybe a play-in game 
for that second wild card team in the NL. Yeah, and I think a, a thing on the National League side, I think that's kind of interesting too, is Atlanta and LA are the only two teams over 90 wins, and I think that's an interesting thing to look at. That St. Louis, so it, the National League, I wouldn't say it's bad. It's not a bad. It's not a bad league by all means. It's just a lot tighter it's than the team. Exactly. I mean, even the worst team is 52 and 96 in Miami, and then it goes up to 65 and 85 in Colorado. So it, overall, the teams are relatively really good. Actually, um, it's actually a better, almost a better division than the American League in a sense, um, as there's not really as much leveling as there's teams that are. There's four teams that are under 300, while there's only one team in the National League that's under uh, 400, I should say, instead. Um, but yeah, I, I think Belich, obviously former Jupiter Hammerhead, a little bit of Florida State League info there. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think no, I think Milwaukee, without Christian Yelich, it's going to be tough, I think, for them to kind of get back. I think they have the players, the other players to do it with Lorenzo Kane and I think Mike Moustakis is still on their team, I believe. Um, I don't watch enough Milwaukee baseball, but uh, I really should because I like their team a lot. Um, but no, I think, I don't know if Milwaukee has it. I think without Christian Yelich, that's like their biggest piece, I think, on their team, even though they have a lot of other guys on there that are good. I think Chicago, Washington will definitely make it. I think this year, I think a lot of people were wondering how they, would they do without Bryce Harper? Are they going to be a playoff team? I knew that a lot of people said they will be. I thought they will because I think their pitching staff is the best in the league. I think it's... It, it's almost like the Mets pitching staff, except they actually can stay healthy. Um, so I think uh, Washington definitely. Uh, Lewis is, I think they're building something really special. And the Dodgers are the best teams in baseball right now. They have some of the best players in baseball as well. Um, I like Tampa, though, and I think Oakland. I think I'm going to stick with everything as well the same. And I think Minnesota will probably stay as well. I mean, I don't see Cleveland really... I like but to see if Terry Francona will be released or fired. I mean, I like Terry Francona. I just don't think he's bringing Cleveland anywhere as of recent. He's just kind of bringing them to maybe a divisional title, and I, I think I don't think it's really working out that good for Cleveland. But I think Tampa and Oakland will get it. It'll just be a battle of which team will get home field advantage for that wild card win. But I'm going to say it's going to stay the same. And to end off this episode, Matt, let's get some early – 2020 Florida State League season predictions. I know it's really early. I know we just got over the regular season, but who do you? What are some predictions you got to make? Uh, which teams are you thinking will be pretty good next year? Obviously, we don't know which players will be up next year, but who do you think we'll see up next next year? And which teams do you will you have as your championship? This is a really early prediction. Ooh, that's a that's a toughie. Um, all right, so I'll, I'll go out right first off and say that one of the reasons that Dunedin had so much success this year throughout the season was because they had a ton of guys in repeat from last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to say that Dunedin does not make the playoffs. That'll be prediction number one. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say that Bradenton does make the playoffs, whether it be a first half or a second half championship. Uh, they had Greensboro as an affiliate for the first year this year, the Pirates did, mm-hmm. and they absolutely were phenomenal. They were one of the better teams in a loaded South Atlantic League. So I think that a mix of guys that are going to perform in the first half and the second half uh, can go out and win. And um, I think that it is going to be a full season next year. I will, I will go out and <laughs> predict that we will not get the, the yes. championship in the playoff postponed or canceled by, by a hurricane. Yes, so that's, no, that's... No Dunning in the playoffs, Bradenton in the playoffs, and there will be a champion. <laughs> champion. Yes, thank you. I'm very excited. Hopefully that does happen. Uh, for me, uh, for prediction-wise... I'm going to say, I'm going to go with your Dunedin prediction too. I do like that prediction. I do think Dunedin will definitely be, um, I do think Dunedin definitely will be, um, 
what is it? They'll they'll definitely probably not make the playoffs next year with all the losses they've had. I mean, a lot of those guys will get brought up. Casey Clemens will definitely be brought up next year. Cody Clemens? I'm not I'm not sure which one which one's uh Cody Clayton, Kobe. I, it, yeah, there it's like there's there's too many Clemens <laughs> with K with the letter K's on there. It's like geez. Um anyways, yeah, I do think Dunedin though won't probably make the playoffs next year. I do have that as one of my predictions. Um I think for me for the North I'm going to go with Daytona, I think, making it back to the championship. I think, and we touched on this earlier in the episode, but I do think, I think with their pitching, we'll see how, with the, if they, who they call up next year. Obviously, it's all mystery right now because we have no idea. But I think if they can get their pitching together, and obviously bringing Hunter Green in will definitely help, if, depending on how they do it. And obviously, you said that he might go as a reliever role, so that'll be interesting to see how they what they decide to do with him um, starting out the season. But I think they, I'm going to take Daytona as an early prediction. Um, and then I think for um, for the South, it's tough. I, I'm going to take Jupiter. And I, and I always take Jupiter for some reason, but I think a lot of those guys will probably stick around after the season they had this year for a lot of those guys, and they'll probably get back on track because a lot of the guys, really, their ERAs were terrible. And, it, I mean, it might be it might not be their fault. It might just be the, because the team was not that good this year. But, um, you know, I'm going to take Jupiter. I think, it, I think they'll keep a lot of their guys from last year, and I think Jupiter will probably make it to the championship. It's a weird pick, but, you know, you got to go out in early predictions, so you never know. But I, I respect that. Yeah, and listen, it'll probably change by January, honestly, um, which we'll see. And we don't, we don't even know. Maybe the, and we, we don't even know about the Fire Frogs yet. They might not even be a team by the end of this year, unless you have any news about that. Unless the Fire Frogs are going to stay in the I've league. I've got nothing. I don't think they have anything. The Lord knows what's going on with the Fire Frogs. I will <laughs> say that I don't think that they will end up at Northport at the very least this year. I'll say an early twenty twenty one prediction they end up at Northport this year. Lord knows that is totally <laughs> – anything is on the table. Don't hold me accountable. Oh, my gosh. I don't know where they're going to play. Like, this is just going to be weird. They might as well just play on their own I island. They should just go play in, like – I think it's going to be a similar situation to what Dunedin did this year. Uh, they'll, they'll find some college field to last them throughout the year until they can mm-hmm. actually get a permanent home next year after next. Could they – I wonder if they'll use – maybe they could use Sarasota. I don't know. There's so many. That would, that would be a toughie. I don't. I don't. I honestly don't know. I, I, <laughs> my guess is that they wouldn't do anything really that close to any other team. But like I said, don't take anything I say seriously. Oh no. I have no. Oh yeah. Me, no. Me neither. <laughs> I. I was like. I was just trying to throw out ideas. I mean, I thought Champion Stadium maybe, but I know they want them out of Orlando. So I don't really know honestly. I just thought Champion Stadium for a year just gets them you know, finding another stadium. I don't really know where they're going to play. I don't even know what was, I guess there's college fields around. I really don't know. Honestly, there's, they could play UC. I think whatever they end up doing, whatever they end up doing for 2020, it'll be temporary probably just for that year. Uh, yeah, probably it'll be like, uh, Dunedin. Obviously I said Dunedin had a really bad stadium situation. Uh, Florida might even be worse. They might as well just go play at a little league ball field at that point. So <laughs> they're probably not gonna. They they had the worst I think attendance in the league, and I couldn't I couldn't take away the worst attendance in a league from because Dunedin was the worst. And I'm like, you know what? I can't be the one to be like, well, they're the worst team in the. League. I'm just gonna say Florida because they actually play in a real stadium other than Dunedin. So Florida, good luck. Have I don't know if they even have a fan base. Well, Pray the Lord for <laughs> Anyways, 
Alright guys, that is it. Matt, thank you again for joining me. Um, and also, before I end, I have to do this shout-out for all of my videos. Thank you to Grayson Rogers for using for letting me use your intro music. Stay ready. But again, thank you, Matt, for joining me. It was a pleasure, and maybe we'll do this next year when we start out the season again. But I'll, I'll definitely we keep Absolutely. in touch. We'll keep in touch this year and stuff. We'll, we'll thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. It was been a pleasure. And Matt Never, guys, go check him out. Matt, where can they find you real quick at on Instagram? You can find me on every social 